0: Hello and welcome to the Renaissance Polymath. I'm your host, Toby Gagnon, and on this episode, I would like to discuss Big Brother is Always Listening. Let's go ahead and get things started. We've all been there. You're having a conversation with someone and you mention a product that interests you and you discuss it with your friend. Later that day, you open a web browser and there's a Google ad for that product. Whoa, that's pretty creepy. Then you check your social media and boom. There's another ad for that thing. And that goes on for weeks. Now, how the heck did they know you might have been interested in that product? Simple. Your smartphone was eavesdropping on your conversation, just like it always does. There has even been a documented case where an adult child was staying with his elderly parents for a few days. When he left to go back home, he noticed he was getting ads for a toothpaste brand that his mother uses. They didn't talk about toothpaste when they were together. Nope but just the fact that his phone was connected to the same network as someone who was getting ads for that product meant his phone was targeted for those same ads. Now that's really creepy. Of course, some of you may be thinking, well, that's just a load of crap. There's no way my phone or other smart devices like Alexa or Google Assistant is listening to everything that I say. And even if it is, there's no way it's storing or even using that data. Well, I'm sad to say... you're just wrong. They do. They absolutely do. And they are. Let's start with the easy one. They're always listening. In May 2018, a couple's private conversation in their own home was recorded by an Amazon Echo device. The recording of that conversation was then sent to someone in their phone's contact list. This proves that one, The devices are listening even when you don't think they are, and two, there are recordings made without your knowledge. For the point of it's not using that data, let's look at the privacy policies that you agree to when using those devices. If you read it closely, many do state that certain information may be shared with third parties. Well, That makes sense if you're trying to order a pizza. But then why is data and information being shared with Facebook about you ordering that pizza? Or, why is your stored contact list being accessed by your smart thermostat? Don't take my word for it. Seriously, go read the privacy policies you have to agree to in order to use the smart devices you have. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's fine. They're always listening, they record and store information, and they share it with others. What do I care? I'm not doing anything wrong, and I've got nothing to hide. This is something I hear all the time when I bring up the topic of digital privacy and security. It seems to be the default defense. Let's get into this question a bit and see if I can explain why you might not want this information recorded, stored, and shared. Let's say you're having a bad week. Work has been tough, your microwave broke, and your new dog keeps messing on the carpet and chewing everything in sight. You vent out loud and say things like, ah, if you do that again, I'll kill you, you damn mutt, or something to that nature. Your Amazon device hears this and other things you've been muttering while walking around the house trying to get your life back in order. Next thing you know, you're seeing ads for suicide prevention hotlines and mood-stabilizing drugs and ASPCA warnings. Then, there's a knock on your door, and a police officer is stating that they get a call to come by and do a wellness check on you because you might be a danger to yourself, your dog, or someone else. You've done nothing wrong. You've had a hard week. You love that dog like a child, and you would never do anything to harm it. But, because your Amazon device heard keywords while it was always listening, it recorded and shared that data with drug companies, healthcare providers, and ultimately, law enforcement. All for your safety. Now, you run the risk of trying to prove something doesn't exist. Think about that for a second. It's easy to prove existence of something. There's usually evidence. But how do you prove something doesn't exist? If the officer who knocked on your door doesn't believe your story and thinks you might need to be detained for a 72-hour mental health check, they have the authority in most cases to put the cuffs on you and bring you to either the local jail or a mental hospital. Let's say they do believe you and let you carry on with your life. Well, now your neighbors are going to start asking questions about why the police came to your door. And word of this encounter with law enforcement may even get back to your place of work and you then may have to answer questions there as well. All because some stupid thing that turns lights on and off for you took something out of context without your knowledge and shared it without your consent. Well, kind of. You did agree to the terms of use. Of course, I realize that I'm sounding like a conspiracy theorist in a tinfoil hat-wearing crackpot. Trust me when I say that I love technology. I love that it can make our lives easier, more efficient, and more connected to services that we need. That said, I'm also wary of the power I allow technology to have in my life. I do my best to ensure my settings are such that the products and services I choose to use have access to only the things they need to actually perform those tasks, meaning my phone does not always need to be looking for a Wi-Fi signal, especially if I'm driving down the highway. And my calendar does not need access to any body sensors that I may have. So I would encourage you right now to do this, You, the listener, right now. Pause this episode and open your privacy and permission settings on your phone. Go through each category and just look at what you've granted the apps on your phone to access. It's pretty eye-opening. Okay, now that I've likely scared you a little bit, let's talk about how we can mitigate some of those fears. First, I truly recommend you start with your cell phone. Delete any apps that you never use. Think of it like cleaning out your underwear drawer. If you haven't used it in the last two weeks, you probably don't need it. Next, I would really encourage you to deny access to the sensors in your phone for the apps that just don't need that level of information to do what they were designed to do. Remember, in most cases, the free apps means that you are the product, and selling information about you is how companies that develop those apps make their money. Next, I would recommend turning off any of the sensors that you're not actively using. For example, turning off Wi-Fi when you leave your house or turning off location services when you're not actively getting turn-by-turn directions or disabling NFC and nearby sharing or airdrop when you're not actively using them. You could even go so far as to disable the cameras and microphones, turning them on only to take a picture or take a phone call and then turning them back off again getting into habits like those will drastically improve your digital privacy and security. Of course, as you've probably already surmised, as you dive deeper into digital privacy and security, you'll likely find that you usually obtain higher levels of each at the cost of sacrificing some convenience— Meaning, staying private and secure may take you two or three more clicks or taps or seconds to perform the same task without that level of privacy or security. It's a balance and compromise that only you can decide what's right for you. I would also encourage you to never let someone make you feel bad about the level of privacy and security you choose to have in your life. And don't shame others into doing things your way. This episode was not meant to shame anyone into thinking they're doing something wrong, or even doing things the way I choose to do them. This episode, and quite frankly the Renaissance Polymath podcast as a whole, was always only ever meant to open your minds a bit and provide enough information so that you know something exists, or that you likely have more options and choices in given situations, or to learn from historical events, or to inform you about things happening right in front of us, hidden in plain sight. I'll leave you with one last thing to provoke some more thought. Privacy and security are not the same thing. A bank is a phenomenal real-life example of this. If you are standing in a bank, you're likely very secure. There are usually armed guards, protective ballistic paneling, locked doors, vaults, etc. However, you are definitely not private. At any one time, you're likely being recorded from four or five different angles, with those recordings to be kept for a very long time. The path you took to get into the building, which hand you used to open the door, which teller you talked with, and what type of transaction was made are all likely bits of information someone could obtain just from watching the cameras. So, when a company creates an advertising campaign talking about how secure their products are, don't confuse that messaging with their products offering any level of privacy. Well, that about wraps up this episode, but as I always do, I would encourage you to do your own continued research and education. I'll make sure to link to the things I discussed in this episode in the show notes. On the next episode, I will be discussing getting started in preparedness. If you have any feedback, please feel free to send me an email at podcast at the Renpo that's T-H-E-R-E-N-P-O dot com. I would also appreciate it if you left a review wherever you podcast. That helps this show be discoverable to others and helps me understand where things can be improved. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download new episodes so you don't miss any of the future topics. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.